I have a new hero in journalism, in baseball journalism, and I am so smitten with my new hero that I'm going to dedicate the entirety of this podcast to this hero. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is a joyful edition of Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. All hail Jesse Rogers, Chicago-based ESPN reporter. He's done a terrific job for a lot of years covering both the Cubs and White Sox. Contributed to a major breaking story earlier in the week regarding the continued malfeasance of the NHL's Blackhawks. Don't worry about that. I am here to share and to celebrate with you a baseball writer somewhere other than me mentioning the term salary cap. How many times, for those of you who've been listening to this program for a while now, have you heard me say there's not another baseball writer out there anywhere, anywhere, who even dares to speak the term. That's the extreme to which the Major League Baseball Players Association, led in essence by Scott Boris, has dictated how this thing gets covered. They don't even speak it. Why? Well, it's not as conspiratorial as it sounds. Baseball writers, just like writers covering any sport, get the bulk of their information, the breaking news type of stuff, from agents. Players are leery of giving that stuff out. Teams are under orders to not give things out, meaning from above within their own structure. But agents aren't really beholden to anyone, even when it comes to contract negotiations and so forth, they'll speak with reporters freely, almost without exception. So agents are your vital tool. They're the one hand that you don't bite. And no one is going to feel more strongly about salary caps and things like that than agents will, especially agents like Boris, who will be representing the guys at the upper end. Never mind that most agents represent most players, meaning the middle class and the lower class. All of them aspire to be Boris. So all of them will fall in line with this thinking that can't have a cap system because it's going to affect those guys way at the top, the Bryce Harpers and so forth. And if that happens, you'll never have that trickle down. Never mind that there is no trickle down. Never mind that for six straight years, you've seen a decline in the value of free agent contracts among the middle class. Six straight years, and it's been a precipitous decline. There's been no trickle down. If anything, there's been more going to those guys and less going to everyone else. Not unlike society itself, but I digress. Jesse Rogers came through in the clutch, bottom of the ninth, 
Bases loaded. Jesse Rogers up to bat. And I'm going to read you the passage from this historic article right after this. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Jesse Rogers' article that's available on ESPN, and it's free, is an interview with free agent reliever Andrew Miller, who was last with the Cardinals. Miller is one of eight players on MLBPA's executive board. What Jesse leaves out is that he's one of five players on that board who are Boris clients. There's a coincidence, huh? But Jesse goes on to ask good questions, and Miller goes on to give probably more candid answers than he's allowed to by the uh, the gentlemanly terms of the ongoing negotiations, and I give Miller credit for that. And as I'm going through this, and I was reading this yesterday on a flight to Boston, my eyes bugged out of my head when I saw this question from the great Jesse Rogers. Fans will sometimes ask, what's wrong with the NBA or NHL system, which includes a salary cap and a sharing of revenues? And before I get to Miller's answer, easily could have thrown the NFL into that. Not sure why he didn't, but Anyway, here's Miller's answer. Talk to players in those leagues and see how it works out for them. It's not some magic bullet that eliminates any disagreements with players in their leagues. If anything, it adds to it. Plus, there's an argument on what constitutes revenue. Our union has felt it's not the system that's best for us. It's pointed at a way to create parity, but we've seen plenty of different teams in baseball win it or be successful. There's other ways to get the market to work in ways that everyone can be happy with. To which the inestimable Jesse Rogers follows up with this. But without a salary floor, teams may not spend because they're able to win without doing so. As you just said, different teams have been successful, both with high and lower payrolls, like the Rays. And Andrew Miller responds, The Rays have won, but we're not necessarily happy with the way that they have always operated. They are large recipients of revenue sharing, and the way they use that money is that best for baseball. This is what we debate. Both sides have their experts, and we all debate. Okay. Okay. I'll get into Miller's responses here. First off, Miller says, talk to those players in those leagues and see how it works for them. Okay, go ahead and do that, Andrew. In fact, ask your agent, Boris, since he technically works for you and everyone at the Boris Corporation, which is what it's called, to investigate and honestly the difference that salary caps have made for the middle class 
in both the NHL and the NBA. And as long as we're at it, I don't have to leave it out. The National Football League, only the most successful entity of any kind in the United States of America. Ask them to research that and ask them not to lie to you. Ask them to tell you the truth. Ask them not to just take care of Harper. Ask them to take care of all their clients and all the players in baseball. And you'll find out the truth. Yes. Are there complaints? Of course there are. Is there mistrust about revenues? Yes, of course there is. That's why there's a system of checks and balances in place. That's why anytime somebody's skeptical about something, they have the right to go and find out how the owners are arriving at their numbers or what the owners are doing with a specific revenue stream. That does not exist in baseball. The players don't have that right. The owners can do pretty much what they want with their revenue, including how they categorize it, how they disguise it, because there's no system for it, because there's no salary cap in place. But, but okay, you do you on that one. If that's the line that they're feeding you, Andrew, great. Great. And if you buy it, ah, all right, other line. Create parity. He says it's pointed at a way to create parity, uh, meaning the cap system. It's not. The cap system is about fairness. It doesn't have to create parity. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Arizona Coyotes or whatever team in the NBA happens to stink, you're going to stink year after year if you're run poorly. Nobody's looking for a free ride into the playoffs or toward a championship. It's not about parity. It's about fairness. That said, baseball loves to trumpet its parity because it has a lot of different World Series uh, participants and winners, and that is accurate. However, baseball has only had one team since 1995 win a World Series outside the top 15 in payroll. That was the 2003 Marlins, and that is it. That is it. One team outside the top 15 in payroll. There's your parody. It's not about World Series uh, participants and winners because baseball is more fickle than other sports because you just ride hot pitching. You ride hot pitching and you win. That's why there's a lot of different champions. What's more telling in baseball are playoff participants about the difficulty of getting into the tournament, about the teams that do get in year after year after year and thus have a chance to capitalize more often on that fickle nature. Last thing I have here. The Rays have won, but we're not necessarily happy with the way they have always operated. This, my friends, is right from Boris's mouth. Do you remember when Boris criticized the Braves for how they won the World Series because they didn't spend a lot of money? that they weren't really a worthy champion. This is the crap he sells these guys. And they listen because he's extremely convincing. Take it from somebody who spent a lot of time dealing with him in the past. He could sell you on anything if you give him 20 minutes. And they're even buying into this. The Rays have won. 
but we're not necessarily happy with the way they have always operated. The Rays are based in the worst stadium in professional sports other than the one the Oakland A's are still stuck in. They have almost no fans. They have virtually no revenue stream. Even compared to the Pirates, they have no revenues. But all they've done is figure out ways to beat the system. And as a result, they are seen by people like Andrew Miller and Scott Boris as inauthentic because they beat the system. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Anyway, all hail Jesse Rogers. Somebody did it. Somebody broke the barrier of being able to say salary cap. Here's looking forward to more. When we come back, just one question. Today's comes from Tyler Hernley, who asks if Nick Gonzalez hits as he's capable, how long until he's in Indy? Well, if he hits as he's capable, meaning up to the scouting projections, up to his status as a high first round pick, he should be able to make the same impact in 2022 that O'Neill Cruz did. In 2021, if you look at the way Cruz climbed his ladder, he made it up in a relative hurry. And the arrival in Pittsburgh for the final weekend of the season probably comes across as a symbolic thing, as a reward thing. And I'm sure to an extent it is, but it's also real. He did make it. And then once he was there, you know, he didn't exactly look out of place, you know, smacking a couple balls and one of them over a fence. That's the kind of trajectory I'd like to see for Gonzalez. Uh, not worried about his defense. You know, he's he's good enough at second base. I believe he should be in line to start at second for the Pirates in 2023. And as a result, he'd have to go right ahead and climb that ladder. You're going to see him in Altoona to open this coming season. You would have seen him in Altoona in the middle of this past season, except, according to Ben Charrington, he wanted to keep a certain group of guys together in Greensboro, which is high class A for anybody who doesn't know, in an attempt to win a championship. That's part of the mentality that they want to foster in the minors is that, hey, it's not just uh, me as an individual. It's not just me that's good. It's this group around me. We can win. We can win as a group. And I and I get that. I, I've seen that work with other organizations, most notably the Rays, you know, the inauthentic Rays, <laughs> what they do doesn't really count because they're not spending a ton of money on Boris clients. Don't, I'm going to go back to the question. Nick Gonzalez can hit. And the way he hit uh, late last season screamed for promotion, but I don't have a problem with what the Pirates did. If he starts out in Indy, I'm sorry, if he starts out in Altoona, he should be able to make it to Indy about halfway through 
provided he continues to compete as he did. The difference between Greensboro and Altoona is never that great, so the promotion wouldn't have meant all that much. It just would have put him into a different spot. This way, he gets to open the season there. He gets to work his way up to Indy, and if he does well, then he can make it up to Pittsburgh at the end of the year. That's the way I'm looking at Gonzalez, and and it would be really nice for a whole bunch of reasons if he's the second baseman in 2023, not least of which is there's nobody really screaming at that position at the moment in Pittsburgh unless you have some kind of big surprise. And even then, if you do, you know, that's what trades are for. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow.